You may be seated. Grab a Bible. Get with me to Luke 10. Luke chapter 10. I, I, uh, Anne-Marie, thank you for singing today. Uh, you know, it didn't surprise me that you could sing because I just know your mother can too, and now it's out. It's out now. So we're going to have something new every week now. So, uh, But I also, before Dana gets out the back door, I want to compliment uh, the band, how tight you were on that last song. Very good. Great. That, that, that don't happen automatically. You know what I'm saying? Y'all worked, worked hard to get there. Thank you, Susan, for what you do. Keith and uh, Dana, Jim, Henry, and Rod, and all of y'all, all of y'all. Thank y'all for what you do. You put the time in. They come in at 8.30 on Sunday morning to get ready. Turn, you got your Bibles to Luke, Luke uh, 10. Now, that needs to go to Cheryl Bayless. She volunteered, cleaned the whole basement. And we, we think she's going to just do that to serve the Lord. Praise God for that. Not that Vicky doesn't do a great job up here. Amen? We need to just stop everything and thank everybody that does anything, which would take us the rest of this service, right? I don't guess we can do that, so thanks for what you do. Amen? Appreciate everybody. Uh, we did have a great meal last Sunday. I would, I would prefer to have the meal on Sunday evening. We end up with it on Sunday morning. And the people that want to do it on Sunday morning, they have their reasons want to do it on Sunday morning. But I'm, I'll be honest with you, it makes Sunday morning a circus for the preacher, a, a clean circus. And so I'd rather do that on Sunday evening. And the service Sunday morning can be a circus without anybody helping it uh, when you're the preacher. Uh, we really had a good attendance, so and I appreciate that. But uh, it's it's fine with me the way we do it. I, I'm I'm good. I, I've been to the circus before. I'm a ringleader, amen. I I try to pop the whip, get it in line, so there's no big problem. Luke chapter 10. We're going to look today at uh, the gospel in the story of the Good Samaritan. The gospel in the story of the Good Samaritan. Now I'm going to come back next week. And I'm going to preach the example it is and the teaching that Jesus has given us about being a good Samaritan. But, uh, you know, the word good is not in the text, by the way. Did y'all know that? And the fact that it is a parable is not even in the text. It doesn't say in the text that it's a parable. And, and somebody way lived a long time before we did gave it the idea that it's a, a, a parable and gave us that it's the good Samaritan. So I think the Lord's just tell, telling us about a Samaritan, that we ought to be like a Samaritan that's in the story. But it has been called and labeled the Good Samaritan. Let's read the text and get, get into it, beginning with verse 25. And I'm going to cover uh, the first few verses basically today and then cover uh, next week the teaching that the Lord has given us about being a Samaritan. 
And, uh, and uh, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, tempting him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, I got a couple mistakes going on there by this, this lawyer, but anyway. And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? I like the way Jesus said that. How, what do you get out of it? What, what do you understand from it? Isn't that he, he, he's asking a question, isn't it? Any, and that Keith's on us all the time about asking questions, isn't he? You know, when he teaches. So Jesus asked him two questions there. And then verse 27, And he answered said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Hey, that's good. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Uh, this do, okay, Thou shalt live. Just, just, just go ahead and do that. Okay? I think I'm going to make a point today that that's more difficult than just doing. Just go ahead and do that, and, and you might inherit <laughs> eternal life. Uh, there's a problem with that too. And then, but he, verse 29, be willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and which uh, stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, by chance, I like the way the Lord talks here, by chance there came down a certain priest that way and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, the Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? It's a great story. And he goes on in 37 about left off, go thou and do likewise. So there's the teaching of the second half of what I want to talk about from the text. But uh, what's going on here? Jesus is rejoicing with his disciples. He had sent out 70, and they were returning after this witnessing trip that they went on. And uh, then Jesus is approached by the lawyer. I feel a little bit like Jesus right there. I'm trying to enjoy the blessings of all the things that God is doing. And before I can even get into the mood to, to worship and celebrate God about what God is doing, here comes a lawyer. And he wants to create a problem. And so that's basically what happened. He, he's approached by this lawyer. And uh, by the way, a lawyer of the time was uh, because Israel was created as a theocracy not a democracy or republic. It's a theocracy. God and government was inter intertwined, okay? 
So this guy was a lawyer trained in the law of the Old Testament. He was trained in that. That's who he is. And then there's the scribes and, and uh, uh, the, the Levites and all those have something to do with their worship. Now, the lawyer was an expert. Now, I won't, I won't take you through what an expert is, but it uh, used to be just drip. Amen? And so he has a motive, and his motive is to test the Lord. And it, it says that in verse 25, that he comes to, to test him, to tempt him. His motive. His motive is not right. This expert came to trap the Lord in his, in his words and what he was saying. Now, think, uh, thinking that Jesus had no former, formal training, which he didn't. He didn't need it, did he? Remember when he was a little boy in the synagogue there and they, he was teaching the teachers, wasn't he? Remember, remember that? That's Jesus. He didn't need any formal training. I need all the training I can get. They need to send me to dog school. Amen. Let me learn that first. Quit barking and start barking and whatever. And uh, the reason he needed no training, he was God in the flesh, right? Jesus. So the expert seems to be coming to put this homespun theologian in his place. Can you see what's happening? Now, I've studied this deeper than just the surface of, of, of the translation. And, and he's, he's trying to trap the Lord. He's trying to put him in his place. And Jesus gives him a brush-off answer in verse 26. Now, Jesus, if you, if you ever get a brush-off answer from Jesus, it, it's not a good indicator of where you are and who you are and where you're going. You got me? It, when Jesus gives you the brush-off, I mean, I mean, I've had people brush me off, but thank you, Lord, that you've never given me the brush off. But he, he does. In verse 26, he says, And he said to them, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Which kind of a, you know, don't you, don't you study the law? I mean, why are you coming and asking me? You really don't, you really don't want to learn anything. Why are you, why are you, he puts it back on him. He gives him the brush off. And so he says, you know, in essence, what does the book say? And then he says, how do you see it? Now, that's very good. First of all, it's important to know what the book says, right? What the Bible says. Trust the Bible. Depend on the Bible. You can rely on the Bible. It, you say, well, preacher, I read this part about this, and I don't get it. I don't understand it. It looks like nonsense. Oh, wait, wait. Get a different attitude about reading the Word. God puts some stuff in there just to trip up the people that know everything, to get them to humble themselves or be arrogant. It really, it really seems that way to me. So he says, what does the Bible say? And then he says, and he tells him, how do you see it? Isn't that great that the Lord allows us to have an opinion? You know, I got a lot of stuff that I have an opinion on that you don't have to agree on with me, right? You got a lot of things I guarantee I don't agree with you on. But I don't want to fight about it. I don't want to argue about it. It's just, it's just that way. I got a reference over in Luke 18, verse 13. It says this, and a publican standing afar off, this is a publican, standing in the fall off, would not even lift up as much as eyes to heaven, but he smote himself on the breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, this guy's not a sinner in our text coming to Jesus, or a person that, that knows he's a sinner coming to the Lord. This guy is coming with a, a motive to try to destroy the words and the teaching of Jesus. This guy's not ready for salvation He's just there for a debate. Have you ever witnessed to someone and 
People start asking you questions, and, and you're answering the question. And you should try to answer their questions. You should. Don't, don't say, hey, I'll get to that later. Try to answer their question because they're may, they're may be trying to really get involved with you and, and really want to learn something. But, you know, sometimes when you're in a discussion with someone about Jesus, about salvation, they're just chasing rabbits, right? Sometimes they do that. And uh, this guy is the equivalent. He's wanting a debate. And, and when you're witnessing someone, you don't, you don't need to get in a d- debate with them. You win the argument, lose the person, lose the argument, not in, that's not good either, right? And let me tell you, I told you all before, the best answer to a question that you're, you don't know about, you know what the best answer is? Somebody says, let me go see my preacher. That's not the best answer. I may not know either. Don't bring them to me. They're yours. The best answer is, you know, I don't know. Maybe we ought to look this up. It's okay not to know everything, isn't it? You know, we, we don't need, it's not important of what you know, it's who you know. Right? They don't care what you know. They just want to know you care. Right? Isn't that true? And so, he goes on, the lawyer answers uh, with the law. Look at verse 27. Good answer, because it's right out of the book. He says, and he, he, he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. And then he says, Thy neighbor as thyself. He gives the right answer. Now, all of the commands of the Bible hang on these two things, don't they? Right? We've been taught that. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. And so uh, Jesus, uh, you know, gave him the answer that, hey, I'll let you up. I'll let you out of this thing. I'll let you look good. Yeah, you're, you're good. That, you know, you're good there. You're good there. Right answer, right answer. But look at verse 28. And he said unto them, thou hast right, there is answered right. Jesus didn't embarrass him. Didn't make him look bad. But then he made this statement that, that really, if you, if you listen to it, I want you to hear what, it's, what it really means. Not a surface, but what does this mean? He says, this do, and thou shalt live. This do, and this goes in the same category with verse uh, 25, 25, his question, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, here's the deal. He gave the right answer. Jesus said, now do it. But just how easy is that to do? Here we see in this the need for the gospel. The answer to the commandments of God is the gospel. Now, on the surface, all is well. Let's just move on. But I'm not going to move on because I want to check, check it out. Is that so easy to do? To love the Lord with all your mind, all your mind, all your, your I can't get it out today. With all your, your he says, I got to get to it. Uh, with all, I can't even find the verse now. Uh, verse 27. With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. and with, Is that so easy to do? Some of you got it down. I'm ready. You come up here and you teach me. I, I can love myself a lot better than I can love the Lord. I kind of love, uh, I, I love dressing, turkey, and I love pecan pie. 
Uh, oh, my goodness, and a new one, uh, key lime pie mm, for Thanksgiving. Wow, yeah. I love myself. How about you? Anybody here got that down about loving the Lord with all your heart? I, I remember when I was young, I read that, I said, I got that down. I got that down. I got that down. But listen, I bet some of us don't even get it. It's impossible for us to keep the whole law. It's impossible for us to keep the top two. To love the Lord like we should love and then to love our neighbor. Do you love your neighbor like you love yourself? See, here's the deal. I, I failed the test. If you failed the test, would you confess your failure by raising your hand with me? I failed the test. Who among us can pass the test of verse 27? Which brings us to the, our understanding, our need for the gospel. You know, it tells us we need a Savior. That's what the law is all about. It tells us we need to hear the gospel, that Christ came, born of a virgin, sinless life, died on the cross for the sin of the world, was buried, took our sins to the grave, come up out of the grave, left our sins there, and was Lord of Lord and King of Kings, ascended back up into heaven, presented his blood at the throne of God, and our, it was accepted, and heaven, heaven, man, is a brand new place now because Jesus rules there as the one who redeemed us. Folks, we needed, we needed a substitute to step in for, in for us because we can't keep the law. We can't fulfill the law. Now, rather than surrendering, the lawyer tries to justify himself. Look at verse 29. It says, but he, see the but? It didn't say and he. It said, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? You know, I, I've, I've been in this little war before. I've been in this little war before. I, I, I think, well, I, I've got this guy. I, I, I wanna, I'm going to help him see the need for Jesus now. And we're going we're gonna, gonna, to, he, he's going to say yes to the Lord here. And boom, he squirts out the other side with another question or another comment to deter us from the real need of knowing Christ. Now, I'm glad. I'm glad that I was raised in a church and by a family that helped me to know God's truth, to know that I could never justify myself, that I could never be justified in myself. Do you understand that? There's no self-justification. You've got to look outside of yourself. And religion is constant to try to live up to, to be good enough or to find detours around. You know, in some religions... If you do bad, you can make up for it by doing some good. And then you can go to a guy and he'll tell me how many good things you have to do to overcome the bad thing that you just did. Boy, that's a religion, man. That is religion in itself. Hey, I'm glad I was never raised in that. I was always raised to understand I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. 
Jesus died for my sin and he's the savior of the world. I need, I need to share Jesus with others. But some of you, I'm sure, some of you were raised in a religious practicing atmosphere where you can never be good enough. By the way, you can't. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. According to Isaiah 64, verse 6. Now, let me say this. All of the groups of people that add to the gospel, and I shared the gospel a moment ago, all the people that add to the gospel, uh, it's an attempt to, to be justified. And you know, the answer to that is, Jesus is not enough. Is Jesus, I put in the question now, is Jesus not enough? You mean, I need to co-labor with him in my salvation? Or do I need to trust him for my salvation? Martin Luther, and you know something about Christian history, Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, who was instrumental in the Reformation, uh, before he threw away all of those religious attempts to justify himself before God, this man was just wrung out and stressed out, and he would he was following his religion with detail, trying to do what it taught. And this man, before he gave up on this effort of self-justification, would pray for four hours a day. Even, even his superior told him, Luther, what have you been doing so bad that it takes you four hours to get it covered? Never did he accept the redemption in Christ Jesus at that time. One story says that one time he said to a guy, Oh, I coveted another piece of bread at supper last night, and I didn't confess it. That's sin. You know, I would like all of us to be very, very much trying to do the best we can and being the best that we should be, right? But my Lord, this, this guy's trying to justify himself by constant confession. Hmm, he forgot to confess it. You know, there are people that tell you that, it, that if, you, uh, if you are a Christian today, but you go out here and do something terrible, and then tomorrow, I've heard this a thousand times, you have a, you have a, car wreck and you haven't confessed that sin, then you'll die and go to hell. You've all heard that, haven't you? I, I, I'd be surprised if maybe maybe five people hadn't heard. I, I've, I've had that thrown in my face. What? You're not qualified to atone for your sin. You better have a great high priest. His name better be Jesus. And guess what? They had a continual offering in that temple in the Old Testament. And guess what? That was a picture of the temple, the tabernacle, the temple, the throne room in heaven where Jesus is there, where his blood is in the, in, in the present tense, not in the past tense, not in the future tense, but in the present tense. When Jesus died, he didn't die in the past tense. He died in the present tense. 
When I got saved, I got saved in the same tense that he was in. He died for my sins. And my sins are covered. Does that make me want to go out and sin more? No, God forbid that I should do that. The Bible teaches us it doesn't come a license to sin. No Christian that knows Christ really does that. Religious people do. You can't do enough. You can't confess enough to be justified. This man's trying to justify himself. Luther is the one that is credited with at for the, at being the first. The, the just shall live by faith, which is the theme verse of the Reformation. Now, I wasn't ever a part of the Reformation. It happened before, before we was all born, okay, 1500s. But this lawyer's question, then look at his question in verse 25. See that he's on the wrong page. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. His attitude's wrong first. Master, is that mockery? I don't know that. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? You don't inherit it anyway. I don't, I don't inherit eternal life from my mom and dad. I don't even inherit it from Jesus. It's a gift. Amen. A free gift. What shall I do to inherit Answer, you can't inherit it. You receive it as a gift. Now, understand the cross pictures all of the justification that we can have or need. Jesus died on that cross, that, that uh, vertical cross makes us right with God, that horizontal bar uh, makes us right with others, and then we need to be about the Christian life of loving God with all the heart that we can and loving our neighbors with all that we can. That's where we go from the cross. Our relationship with God, our relationship with others. The gospel changes us when we get saved. If any man be in Christ, what is he? A new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Let me tell you something. You don't even have to want to change your life if you're a Christian. You have one in charge of that called the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And he will change you. No, I'm not saying be uh, fight against it. I'm not encouraging you to resist the Spirit of God and try to be as honoring as you can be. You need to cooperate. You need to get on board. Now, let me give you the gospel and the parable of the Good Samaritan. Number one, there's a man left on the side of the road. Look at verse 30. And Jesus said, A certain man went down, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, having left him half dead. Do you realize that beaten, that wounded, that half dead man represents you and me and the rest of the world? That's where we're left by the devil and the and, and, and the religious crowd. We're hey, we're we're on the journey of life. And notice we're not going to Jerusalem from Jericho, we're going downhill. And that's the truth. I've been there. We're, we're going downhill to Jericho from Jerusalem. And we're getting worse as a community, worse as a society. I mean, we, we've heard things this last year in our community we've never heard 40 years ago going on around us. Folks, we're left stripped, 
beaten and wounded. And I hate to say it, but there's things going on in the life of the average person today that wouldn't even be heard of 20 years ago. Not saying that it didn't happen historically in this world, but we're going the wrong direction. Headed to Jericho, lost. Nothing we can do for ourselves. He's, he's beaten and stripped and left alone on the side of the road. Thieves, the lives of the world and the lives of Satan had taken advantage of him. But then we see another part of the story. We see the priests and the Levites, their, their efforts of religion, verse 31 and 32. And, it, and by chance there came down a certain priest uh, that way. You know, I kind of believe this guy might have been the one that did it. I don't know, you know. Maybe Jesus took a story out of his life and put him in the, in the, the story. I don't know. But a certain priest uh, that came that way, and when he saw the man beaten on the side of the road, he passed on by on the other side. And likewise, the Levite, when he uh, was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. I, I've got a lot of things I want to preach and teach through that next week, but you know what? Religion can't do a thing for you. I, they didn't waste their time even trying. They didn't try to clean him up or straighten him up. They just walked on by on the other side. Religion is more about yourself anyway. It's about me. I'm not going to let them tear me down. I'm, you know, I, I've, I've watched this thing. I've watched this, I watched uh, YouTube videos of some of these guys that are preaching their own way of how to get to heaven. And, and you can just tell in their attitude. They know it all. But it's not in knowing all. It's in knowing Him that makes you a Christian. The law, folks, is not a way to heaven. The law is a mirror. We look into the law of God just like I tried to make you look into the law, the uh, loving God and loving our neighbor. I got you to look into that with me. And that's what the law is for. It's for us to look into it and to show us our condition. We need a Savior. We fall short. Religion and people get saved and they get hooked up and want to carry religion with them, but religion is never the answer. It's a relationship with Christ. And then we get to the main point a certain Samaritan. Now, the certain Samaritan is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in John 8 48, I won't turn there, but in John 8 48, they call Jesus the S word. You've heard of the N-word and the other letter words we talk about. They called him the S-word in a mockery way to make fun of him. He's just a homespun theologian and on and on the mockery goes. But Jesus certainly is the good Samaritan, isn't he? In verse 33, and a, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, Jesus, Jesus, he came to where he was. He's, he's only, you know, the Bible says Jesus was accused of doing something good, and Jesus said, it's in Luke 18, Jesus said, there is none good but God. For the first years of my life, I would read that and think, well, Jesus just answered questions. Now, Jesus wasn't just answering his questions. Jesus was saying, do you recognize who I am? I'm God. 
And so we see Jesus, the good Samaritan, the certain Samaritan. He's on his journey, and he came to where this man was. Isn't that the great truth of the gospel? It came to where you are. How many of you saved today? All of you looked awful saved today. You look so saved. There's smiles on all your faces, and, and, and I just feel like uh, I've done something that makes you so happy today. I just appreciate y'all smiles, and y'all look saved today. Don't you remember? Do you remember when Jesus came to where you was? I was sitting in a church pew. I was struggling, man. I was so bashful. I was struggling. I said, man. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go to that altar. Anybody else struggle with that? Lord, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to that altar. My mother sensing what was going on, apparently sensing what I was going through. She said she had a dream that all of her boys was on their way to heaven but one. And she came to me one day after this struggle and, and told me about Jesus. And, and I trusted Jesus that day with mom. And then I went up to church a few weeks later. Went through all that. Jesus will come to where you are. If you Just look for him. He'll come. That's why you're here today if you're not a Christian. He brought you here to come to you where you are. It says he came there and he saw him. He saw him. You know, you can look at people and never see them. How many of us are guilty of just looking out and not really seeing people? When you see someone, you acknowledge them. When you see someone, you, you make them feel like they're something in your life. I'd like to say something special, but really just that they're important to you. Right? Oh, let God help us to really see people. Jesus saw him. I'm glad Jesus saw me. Jesus saw me as a sinner, but he saved me anyway. He saw me. Hey, you know what? I, I, I was praying uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, and I said, I said, Lord, you saw me before I got saved, and you know, you knew I was no good then. I'm not changed much. Thank you for loving me in spite of me. Amen. Amen. You know, most of you don't have it to deal with. I got church members to deal with. You know, that's a struggle. You know, Lord help y'all. I'm glad Jesus saw me when I was lost and he loves me then and he loves me now. And it says that he had compassion on him. That's Jesus. What will be like Christ? The Lord Jesus is our Savior. Verse 34, and it says, he, And he went to him and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. You know, that's... Gospel, man, that's gospel. Luke 4 uh, summarizes, and I think it's verse 18, the gospel comes to where people are and we bound up the wounds with the gospel of Jesus. We pour oil and wine in the wound and, and healing comes to their, the, their life, their soul. He set him on his own beast. He carried him. Man, this guy, he, he can't walk. He can't get to where he needs to be. Hey, you think you can I got news for you. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. You better get on the beast that Jesus provides. So he put him on his own beast, and he brought him to the local church, the inn. Amen? Every 
every beaten up, every bruised, every hurting, every person that's been left on the side of the road needs to find a church where they can love on them and nurse them. The mission of the local church is to seek the lost, to love the lost, to help the lost, encourage everybody, whether they're lost or not. The end is the local church where they get taken care of. It's a hospital. You know the church is a hospital? It's not an assembly line where we bring you in and put this part on this part on this. No, man, it's a hospital for sinners. Well, person say, I can't believe that guy's a member of your church. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, he needs to be here. Makes me feel comforted to know I'm not the only sinner in the building. Doesn't give me permission to sin. Doesn't give him or anybody else permission to sin. But it means there's room in the end for all who will come. And that's where we take care of them. And then it says, and now, in verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed, he stayed all night with him. He's nursing him. He, he helped him get on his feet a little bit before he left him, but on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave, it wasn't a small price, he paid his hotel room, and he gave him to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Wow, what a Savior. Oh, what a Christian example here. This man, he stays with him that night. Hey, he don't know this guy. He don't. Hey, I want, listen. I don't, I just got this. No, I don't want to go in that story. There's good stories I could tell, but I, I don't have time to tell good stories. Y'all guys want to go. When he, when he departed, he, he took out money out of his pocket. And he gave it to the guy in charge. He said, when I come back, if it takes you more than this, spend whatever it takes to take care of this man. And if you spend more than this, I'll take care of the bill. I'm glad Jesus takes care of the bill. How about you? Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. That's just another good example of salvation. You know, so here you are. How many saved today? Say amen. And you know what? Let me tell you. Let me, can I just be Jesus for a minute? All right? I'm talking to you. You have been nothing but a pain in my butt ever since I saved you. Can anybody identify? You ain't been nothing. I'm not, Jesus don't act this way. I'm just being Jesus. You've been nothing but a pain in my butt since, since I saved you. But I saved you. And I'm going to pay the debt all the way through. What a Savior. What a Savior. These folks that think they helped Jesus get them to heaven, when they get to heaven, they're going to reach around and pat themselves on the back and say, look here what we've done, Jesus. No, it's not going to be none of that. They'll be in hell saying, oh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You don't get to God by patting yourself on the back or being a good boy. You be a good boy because you're saved, not to get saved. Amen. Keep him. And there's one more story from our point from this. Besides Jesus paid it all to him I owe, I'm coming back after him. <laughs> Isn't that the gospel? Do this until I come. Jesus is going to come. Just stay in the church. Stay in the inn. Hang out in the inn. And, and 
How long am I going to be before I get well? You ain't never going to get well. Well, preacher, I've been saved for six months. I ought to be well now. No, you ain't well yet. I've been saved for 40 years. I still ain't well. Amen. Anybody can say amen there, right? Some of you think, boy, I wish I could be like brother so-and-so, sister so have everything together. I got news for you. They're just better at faking it than you are. They're as miserable as you are if you looked into their life. They got that big grin on their face just acting like a hypocrite thinking, boy, everything's wonderful. Let me ask you, you that's got the grin on your face, is everything wonderful? Jesus is wonderful, amen? Jojo let us know real quick. It ain't no good in his house. He'll come again, verse 35. I don't close. I don't know how to close anything like this. We need to be like the Good Samaritan. Story, two men visited the church. They, they visited the church, and the, the church was friendly, loving to them. They looked for a seat. They felt at home there. People shook their hands, asked them their names without being too forward. They felt welcome. They sat there, and finally they both made professions of faith, got saved. How different from the church that I went to one time. It's been a few years ago now. My experience in visiting a church. I went in. They did not know me. I sat alone. I felt alone. More than that, I felt like I was being stared at. And, you know, I was going to tell them who I was at the end of the service, but now I'm embarrassed because of the way I feel like I'm an outsider. It didn't seem like the people were very happy. The sermon was very good. Nothing wrong with the sermon. I actually was the only one that said amen. That probably made me suspicious. No one welcomed me on the way in. No one shook my hand on the way in. No one even spoke to me on my way out. And I walked out very slow, intentionally, although I felt frightened to be there. Let us not be like that. Let us be the Good Samaritan Church that reach a hand out and find people where they are. Love them as they are. Encourage them. Build them up. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. Lord, you are the Good Samaritan. Help us to follow you and be like you. I pray, Lord, that we'd all get the message. For someone that's not a Christian, I pray that today they would come to Christ. I pray, Lord, that someone would meet Jesus today. We're sinners. We're like that certain man on the side of the road. We can't help ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would come to someone today and birth them into the kingdom. I pray for someone else that might need to come pray, rededicate their life, that they would come to dinner an invitation. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Let's all stand and sing that song.
Susan, you play for us. No singing. Our heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. How many today can say, Preacher, if I were to die today, I know in my heart that I would go to heaven to be with Jesus. Would you lift your hand up as a testimony? God bless those, tes those hands. You know, I really thank God that you can say that, but some of us cannot. You can change it today. We're not the greatest there is, but we can help you get to Jesus. Would you come today and let us help you find Jesus today? And you could be saved today. Won't you come right now and say, I, you know, that's an expression of, of faith. That is a statement of faith. That I, the preachers give you an invitation to come, and you're saying, I want Jesus as my Savior so simple would you come right now to this altar you can sit on the front row if it's too much for you to be, bow down you can sit on the front row right here and, and I'll come to you would you come right now just step out of that seat this is an old fashioned way of nailing down whether you're going to heaven or hell would you step out by faith and we'll pray with you and you can have security come as you are and Jesus will change He'll change it all. Will you come? Let's sing one more verse. Sing, sing it to the Lord now. <coughs> Just as I am, thou wilt receive. That's what he'll do. Hard and cleanse, really, because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. All right. Let's have our ushers come. How many of you 